0: You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Wonderful to see many of you back in the house of the Lord today. I still think we have at least as many, if not quite a bit more, watching online. And so I will endeavor, with the Lord's help, to address both the people that are here and also those of you who are watching online. I... You can teach an old dog new tricks, and this whole online experience of teaching online, speaking online, has very much been uh, teaching an old dog or an older dog (laughs) uh, new tricks, and so uh, we love you. We miss you. Uh, I want to get into the word of the Lord today, but real quick, a couple reminders Please be patient with us in trying to structure our services. It's hard to know uh, how many people we will be hosting and serving. It's difficult to know. We still, even with... pretty good crowd here today. Nothing compared to normal, but pretty good. Um, We still uh, are able to sit in family groups and have separation. And so if you're watching and you're wondering whether or not you could come with your family and stay in a kind of bubble of isolation, I want you to know you could. Uh, There are several areas, particularly in the back sections of the church where you could put a whole family they could sit together and they would be able to stay appropriately socially distance um, almost everyone is uh, wearing a mask or trying or if they're not worried about it they're not worried about it but it is very much able the point I'm trying to make is this is we are able to social distance and still have church the reason why that's important is because number one the church church is not optional. It is necessary business. As long as the, I, the, as long as the ABC store is considered essential, the church is essential. Because this is my ABC store. And so, the church needs to have, uh, be able to adapt to uh, potential uh, changes, risks. This may not be the only flu-like infection uh, that would come. And the church cannot fall apart under stress. We cannot lose cohesion under pressure. Though the the heathen rage... And though the enemies of the cross imagine vain things, the church is established and will endure. We cannot fall apart under pressure. We must be resolute. We must be strong. And so when you look at us taking these procedures, it's not because we're more fearful or that we're not trusting the Lord. It's because... We don't know what the future holds and we, if we ever had to face something like this again, we don't want the church to shut out. We want to be able to shift gears and be appropriately careful and healthy and still keep, forgive me for saying it this way, the ABC store open because this is Joel's place. I'm having fun with the image of water into wine. You guys know what I'm doing. We love you. We miss you. Uh, truthfully, I am speaking you to, to, to you today in a, um, a kind of a unique confluence of events. On one hand, today is uh, Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate and remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, upon the believers in Jerusalem uh, forty days after the Passover. Acts chapter number 2, you can read the story for yourself. The Holy Spirit falls, they all begin to speak uh, with another tongue, and from that moment you see true spiritual transformation in them individually, and in their courage as leaders, preachers, pastors, prophets, and apostles. We still need this type of spiritual transformation today. Can I have a big amen? Amen. On one hand, we do that. On the other hand, we are living in one of the most socially disruptive moments of recent history here in America. And the truth is, I wish the world could see uh, this church uh, gathered here together from all tribes, all kindreds. I wish you could see this church join together serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, this church, this church, and every multicultural church that has overcome divisions of race, social distance, cultural distance, differences of politics, and said, let's agree on this one thing. Jesus Christ makes all things new. I wish the world could see that. It's not that we all think the same, we most assuredly do not. And it's not that we all vote the same, we most assuredly do not. It is that we can agree on the one thing that will matter forever and that is Jesus Christ makes all things new. Through Jesus Christ, there is redemption of sin. Through Jesus Christ, there is a gift of divine holiness and sanctification that is imparted to the believer. Through Jesus Christ, we live, we move, and we have our being. Jesus changed it all. And we gather today to celebrate this man who was more than just a man. And yet, if the church cannot speak to the hour in which it is placed we have to ask ourselves if we are one dimensional only does the church only have something to say in this era in this hour now whenever i as a minister think in these terms i want to confess to you that i wrestle on a regular basis with how much the church should speak to the political and the civil And the social moment. You guys know more often than not, I will not speak to that moment. I will move beyond and focus on what the church has to say. Let's be clear. The church is not a political organization. If you want to destroy the church, try to make it a political organization. The church is not a civic uh, organ in the sense of law or duty. We are not a legal organization. Body, Uh, we are not even a civic body, we are not a governmental body, we are a spiritual body. The issue is not, should the church become political? We we should be very fearful of politicizing churches. The issue is not, should the church become a governmental body? No. Lots of our history is when the church tried to do politics and brought a shame upon the name of Jesus Christ. The issue is not, should the church try to stand in the role of a civic leader, to stand in the role of a... A social justice activists or to stand in the role of our, our uh, chiefs of police and district attorneys and the answer to all of that is no, we should not strive to do that. We are citizens in a nation, and to quote men and women much more august than myself, if you want to see changes in the nation in which you live, you should vote your conscience carefully and prayerfully. However, is there nothing of a spiritual truth? that could be said into this hour, into this time, into this season when not only are our citizens uh, protesting most of them and rioting some of them all around the world and even, to no small astonishment, protests happening in Europe about how our system seems to operate to them. No, we cannot be political that way lies human division. No, we are not the police department and we'd have no desire to try to do their difficult jobs. No, we are not civic social warriors, but we have respect for the people who give their life to promote justice. This is the very expression of a free Society governed by law. You don't have to agree with their politics to be proud of a society that will allow them to do their work. You can get quiet on me. I don't mind. I have something to say that I've already come to peace to in my spirit, so I don't need your approval too. We as a church have something to say, but it's not politics. It is not Civil duty; It is not of a law and order nature. There is a spiritual truth that underlies the reality of our circumstance. And I want to, for a few moments, speak to you on this theme today. I've entitled it, for lack of a better title, I have entitled it, The Heartbreak Gospel the heart break gospel there is a brokenness to the human story there is a brokenness to human reality there is such convenient excess for us to wallow in anger hatred rage tribalism exclusion racism tribe against tribe, people against people. It is so natural for broken humanity to do this. These things are not new. They are as old as history. I'll even say it differently. They are as old as Eden. You might find it interesting that the oldest human corpse ever discovered was discovered In 1991, by two hikers in the Italian Alps who stumbled upon the corpse of a man who had, by carbon dating, been murdered 5,300 years earlier. They called him, for uh, lack of a better name, they called him Otzi. His body had been preserved by the dry climate high in the Alps and the ice freezing conditions there had preserved him and the researchers who unearthed his body and with care began to go through every detail from which they could learn and even the autopsy that followed, uh, they they learned that he most likely was a shepherd and he had been uh, keeping sheep in uh, these high meadows and Uh, they also learned that he was a murder victim and that he had been shot in the back by an arrow. He was a Bronze Age shepherd who would become a murder victim, whose body would be preserved by climate and given to us even today as a testimony that no matter how far you go back in the human story, it's way too easy for us to hate one another. It's way too easy for us to compete one with another. It's way too easy for us to harm one another. Let me say it again. There is a brokenness to the human heart. There is a scar, a wound left by sin where people rage against people and tribe rage against tribe. And why are the nations so against each other and why are the people so against each other let's say it at a spiritual level and let's say as a spiritual truth not a political truth not a civil truth not a truth of law and order as a spiritual truth there is a brokenness to the human heart we think of revival as apostolics we think of revival as something that is primarily a great joy to us and a great blessing to us and we think of revival as a spiritual fullness and even a celebration and yes yes it is those things but there is a risk of us accepting and promoting a painless Pentecost We want a miraculous story without an altar of repentance. We want an outpouring of heaven without knees bent before the presence and the power of God. Yes, there may be laughter in revival, but we do not preach a laughing revival. Because at the very beginning of every heart that would turn itself back to God is a desperate spiritual need to bow a knee and say I am undone I am broken and if you do not remake me I have within me the potential to do every ugly deed and act out every human hatred that has ever been expressed in the human story and so yes we want a revival And we might laugh and dance and shout in our revival. But it did not begin with laughter and shouting and dancing. It's much deeper than that. Church, believers, those of you watching wherever you are right now. I want you to understand brokenness as a spiritual principle, not an emotional reality. Let me say that again. I want you... All of you here today, I want us uh, to understand brokenness as a spiritual principle, not an emotional reality, because brokenness does not simply mean you have a tendency toward depression. Brokenness does not simply mean that you can't get over something that happened to you in the past. It is possible to shed buckets of tears without Experiencing a moment of true spiritual brokenness. I'm going to try to show that to you in just a moment. Brokenness is not even the same as being deeply hurt by tragedy. A person may have experienced many deep hurts and never allowed their heart to experience spiritual brokenness because here is brokenness as a spiritual principle. It is a moment where you confess that you are never going to be right by the efforts and the machinations and the calculations and the justifications of your own effort. You're never going to be made right by calculating defining a calculus of human morality. There is only one way to be made whole and that is to acknowledge the need that exists deep within you and to say without the power of a holy one upon me without the guidance of the only one who can weigh justice and mercy without a true surrender to the only one who can make all things new the one who knows both judgment which we need and mercy which we need the one who can make broken things whole and the one who can identify that which is broken with left When we are left only with human righteousness and human calculation and human morality. We will always react, overreact, 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 overreact. overreact. Even when you're on the side of right, you can overreact. And when you're on the side of wrong, you'll justify yourself and overreact. When you're terrified, you'll hide it through anger. Your own brain is wired to give you a surge of adrenaline when you're afraid, and what do you do? You overreact, and you're mad at what brother Anthony did, and what do you do? You overreact, and what happens now? Well, you have Miranda mad at you. Oh, finally, someone over here agrees with you, Uh, and then you do something over here, and what happens? Well, you have a, uh, whom should I pick on? It's hard without my glasses on and without, and everybody wearing bandit masks, Now you have someone on this side of the church mad at you. So what do you do? You overreact. Why? You are bouncing like a pinball, emotion to emotion, fear to fear, rage to rage, anger to anger. You hurt me over here. What do I do? I overreact over here. And this is the story of our story. We must see brokenness as more than tears. We must see it as spiritual surrender, spiritual order. God, I am putting in your hands my heart. And if you don't teach me both judgment and mercy, I'm never going to have a chance to get anything right. If you don't teach me both both justice and forgiveness. You see, every spiritual truth is held in tension. Yes, 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 justice matters, yes, yes, uh, judgment matters, yes, and yes. Redemption matters and yes, mercy matters and we are held as people of faith in the tension of the things we can only sense but never define. Let me tell you a story that I think might express this better. Two kings sat on the same throne. They didn't do it at the same time but they sat on the same throne One king, in a fit of passion and lust, committed adultery with his loyal servant's wife. And then, when she came with child, he plotted to have his loyal servant killed. And yet, when the story of his life was told, he was called the friend of God. Another king sat on the same throne. What was his error? Well, his error was that he imperfectly followed directions. Now looking through the eyes of the flesh, who deserves judgment and who deserves mercy? One just didn't do everything they were told. They did part of what they told. They had an error, a sin of omission. I know I'm laying it on deep today, but I think it's a time for deep thoughts. I think it's a time. And so on one hand, you have a king who his sin is a sin of omission. He just didn't do everything he was commanded to do. And he compounded that, yes, but see it as transgression. On the other hand, you have a king who... Did not simply not do what he should do. He actively committed a sin against God, against his own, um, his own uh, loyal friend and servant. And yet he's called the friend of God. The difference is not a difference of brokenness. The difference is what do you do with that pro- that potential you have for evil, that potential you have for hatred, that potential you have to rage and hate That's what the difference is. Because one of them falls on his face and says, it is I who have sinned. I'm not looking to try to blame her. I'm not looking to try to blame him. I'm not trying to find a way to explain this away. I am the one, oh Lord, I want to show you again, this again in the scripture here in just a moment. Stay with me. I am the one who am broken. And there is no chance for me to be whole if you do not create in do you see if you don't create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit I am not going to get to spiritual wholeness by coming up with my own calculus I have to surrender I have to repent all great revivals begin with great repentance services That's not my theory. That's a historical truth. All great revivals begin with a generation crying out to God in repentance. And this is a generation, God, help us. God, save us from the folly of this time. This is a generation that needs to fall on its face and say, we repent. That's a spiritual truth that a man can speak and be whole and right because the church will never be a legal organization and the church will never be a political organization and so uh, the word of God is that we need as a people, as a nation, we need to repent. Our generation has been programmed to pursue happiness, to pursue holiness, to pr- or, or wholeness, I should say, not holiness, to pursue affirmation, to try to cure our hurt feelings, to carefully bandage up our damaged psyches. This is not wrong. Yes, healing is real. Yes, joy does come in the morning. But the result of that is we can end up with a flawed view of what blessing really is. Let me, let me show you you how Jesus shocked the people who listened to him in this same principle by illustrating this exact thing I'm trying to share here today if you were going to write a list of blessings it might go like this blessed are the rich and famous for truly they are life's winners Blessed are the good looking because attraction is another kind of power. Blessed are those who party for honey. They know how to have a good time. Blessed are those who win. Truth is, they tend to keep on winning. Blessed are the movers and shakers because power matters in a cruel world. Blessed are the healthy and fit because besides being healthy, they, they look great at the beach. Blessed are those who make it to the top. Because they get to look down on everyone else, so Jesus shocks his hearers, and he opens with a bombshell. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs theirs is the kingdom of God. This is God shocking us. It's easy to miss this and emphasize on poor and forget in spirit because the result of that is to misunderstand the passage and to, in some way, lead yourself to an error. He does not say, Blessed are the poor. The Bible does not commend poverty, and it doesn't really condemn wealth. It warns against the distraction of wealth, but it doesn't really condemn wealth, and it certainly doesn't promote poverty. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, if you read this in the original Aramaic, you would understand that the phrase in spirit reflects the manner in which Someone is respectful in their demeanor. It literally means to shrink before someone of great authority or power it literally means to sh- to cower or to cringe as beggars would do as they asked for help the poor in spirit image that the ri- the original hearers would have heard in aramaic is not blessed are the poor it would be blessed is the person who cowers in their spirit before the immensity and the majesty of God. Because they're the ones who's going to receive the kingdom of heaven. We don't have a laughing revival. It starts with repentance. It starts with a spiritual humbling of ourselves. It starts with an altar where we bow our knees and say, Lord, I know there is within me the potential for every transgression. And if you don't make me whole, I am always going to be broken. This gospel is a heartbreak gospel. and it says. You are broken. Your very nature is broken. But if you could allow your heart to be broken, then you might could take advantage of the one who is broken for you. This is the heartbreak gospel. There is within me no good thing. And when I realize that, it breaks my heart. And I quit looking to me for answers. And I lift my eyes to the holiest one, the most righteous one. And I say to him, I am broken. And the, the potential of Cain within me terrifies me. And my heart is broken to realize how flawed I am. And I look at you who are holy And this act of love which you have lived out, you who were whole were broken for me that me and my brokenness might be whole in your holiness. It's the heartbreak gospel. And there's only one place to start and that is repentance. I'm almost done. In fact, musicians, you can come and Kind of set a, a, a moment for us here. I told you a story about two kings, Saul and David. Now I want to tell you a story about two trees. The Bible tells us that Judas, the betrayer, when he saw that Jesus had been condemned, this is Matthew 27 and 3, uh, he was remorseful. That's how one translation says it. He was remorseful. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. What's going on, Judas? Remorse, 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 remorse. remorse. If you've ever felt remorse, this, is not, this should not be strange to you. Judas felt profound, soul-shaking, foundation-quaking remorse. His remorse was so strong that it shattered his conception of self and shattered his definition of his own self-worth, his The breaking of him was strong. It shattered everything. Remorse. Judas felt remorse. But remorse is not repentance. You can feel remorse and never surrender to the one who has something to say about who you are, who you can be, and what he can do with your broken heart. Remorse is not repentance. Remorse is I did wrong. I am ashamed. I should pay for this. I have no worth. At no moment of Judas's self-talk does he ever take I out of his calculus. Repentance is 180 degrees. Remorse is 90 degrees. This is a good little lesson in geometry for all of you who didn't get enough school year this year. (laughs) Repentance is turning all the way around and going the other direction. Remorse is like taking a 90 degree to turn. It is to take a tangent, but not to, in some way, in some understanding of judgment and self-judgment and self-respect and... It is, nev- it is to regret, but never to uncrown yourself. It is to be sorry, but never to unthrone yourself. It is to try to be both the witness, the transgressor, the jury, and the judge. Judas... Let's just stop with the fact that you're a transgressor. Let's not try to be the judge too. He tries to return 30 pieces of silver. He tries to say, I wish this hadn't happened. Let's undo it. But they say to him, this is your responsibility. And with the weight of those words, the Bible says Judas went out, he found a tree, and he hung himself. Tragedy. At no point, hear me, hear me. At no point did Judas stop pursuing his own solution. At no point did he unthrone himself or uncrown himself and say I'm tired of making these decisions. God I'm looking to you as the source of holiness in my life. You are the bright and morning star. When I survey the heavens I find your direction and I walk in it. At no point does Judas stop pursuing his own solution. He never stopped being both the accused and the judge. And here's the problem. Just as I spoke earlier about humanity over always overreacts it takes time for good men and women to bring difference and change and order it takes time Uh, but in the heat of the moment it's always an overreaction and that's that's a human thing and we're all capable of that but I want you to see this and I wish I could say it to Judas Judas humanity does not make good judges of the soul Don't try to be your own judge, Judas. Why don't you lay the judgment down? You see, judgment destroys the work of God when humans make themselves judges. You want to destroy a good, healthy church culture? Let the people in the church appoint themselves both judge and witness. It'll destroy that good church culture. Why? We don't make very good judges. We don't see the heart. We don't understand the circumstance. Humankind does not make good judgments of the soul. Judas, can't you stop with realizing that you're a transgressor? You're not a judge. Churches, communities, the good works of people are ruined when Christians try to be both judge and witness. Judas, can't you just wait three days? I want to speak to everyone here today if you're hurting. I, I, you've, you're doing a good job of hiding it. I want to speak to everybody who's watching online if you're hurting. Um, <laughs> I want you to see, sometimes you just need to wait three days. I say that with all the human empathy that I can feel. If you could just wait three days. Things might look different on the other side of an empty tomb. Things might look better on the other side of human brokenness. Because it might be that God could take the worst of us and make the best of us. Judas, please wait three days. Because while you were searching for your tree of judgment, Jesus was carrying his tree of redemption. Judas, while you're contemplating a suitable end for yourself, Jesus is living out an end that's going to turn into a whole new spiritual beginning. Things don't end with you unless you keep yourself on the throne. If you'll get off your throne, if you'll take off your crown, if you'll look heavenward, things won't end with you. They'll end with God. And there's no tomb that can keep Jesus inside it. There's no sin that can win against God's grace. There's no transgression that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. Judas, if you just could have waited while you were climbing out on your branch. Jesus was falling under the weight of his cross. He was lying back for you. His hands pierced for your transgressions. Bearing bruises for your betrayal. Bleeding for your iniquities. By his stripes you could be healed. Judas, while your body's composing, on the third day, Jesus' body is recomposing. And that same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead could dwell in you. In fact, there might even be a day 50 days later called the Feast of Harvests where that spirit that raised up Christ from the dead could dwell in you. And if that same spirit which raised up Christ from the dead, dwell in you, Judas. That same spirit would have quickened your mortal body. Can you wait three days? There's two trees. There's the tree of what you think is right. And there's the tree of what God can do through divine love. That's a different tree. <laughs> One is a tree of judgment. The other is the tree of redemption what is it? one is a tree of remorse one is a tree of repentance one is a tree of death and one is a tree of life church what does a church speak what does a spiritual organization say to a world that is torn apart in its politics in its civil order with transgressions of justice with transgressions of government with transgression, all of these things What does a spiritual organization say to a world that is in such rage and difficulty as this one? Well, I would say this. If you will acknowledge human brokenness and let your heart be broken by human need, you might discover that there is one who was broken for you, that he might make all things new. That's the gospel of the broken heart. That is truly the heartbreak gospel. Church, we as people of faith need to be prayerful in seasons such as this. And we need not to simply tell others to repent. We need to lead with repentance. We lead with repentance. Revival happens when good people lead with repentance. If my people, Second Chronicles 7 and 14, not if the sinners... Not if the bad people, not if the backsliders, sure they need to repent, but uh, we're not talking to them, are we? We're talking to us. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin And say it with me, heal there, lead. God, we need healing. There is something so powerful in repentance, my brothers, my sisters, that repentance starts a party in heaven. and proceeds healing on earth. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Now, I'm gonna say it again. Heaven has a party when we repent and healing floods our land when we repent. So heaven, let me say it like this. Repentance starts a party in heaven and a healing service on earth. Why? I'm almost done. This, this is more than a sermon for me. This is a, I've lived with this this week. Why must we repent? Because as long, if you cannot perceive your need for repentance, all it says is that you're not close to God. Let me give you a biblical example. It helps when apostolics are biblical, right? Isaiah. Chapter number six. He's preaching. And he's saying, woe to them. (laughs) Woe to them. Sinners and transgressors. Woe to them. He doesn't say it once. He says it several times. Woe to them. Woe to them. Transgressors. Sinners. Woe to them. And then in verse number five of chapter number six, he comes face to face with the presence of God and his story changes. What happens? He doesn't say woe to them anymore. He says, woe to me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. If you get close to God, you'll perceive the heartbreak gospel a little bit better. As long as you can point fingers about how they need to repent and how they did. De- I want you to know there's a closer place to God. You just take another step closer. Because when you get close enough, your overwhelming emotion will not be that they need to repent. And he needs to repent. And she needs to repent. And they need to repent. And she needs to repent. That will be your emotion. It'll be woe is me. Let my heart be broken. Let my knees bow. Let my my mouth repent woe is me and like the spiritual says it's not my brother it's not my sister it's me oh lord somebody say it with a standing in the need of prayer it's not my brother it's not my sister. Say it with me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When God's people repent, party in heaven, a healing service on earth. We need this today. Would you stand with me? I'd like you to stand there in your seat for a moment. I'd like you as our worship team directs our attention toward the Lord I'd like you to stand there just for a moment bask in the presence of God in just a moment we're all going to repent together as a people right now let's start with individual repentance those of you watching wherever you are would you just let your living room your study your kitchen wherever you're watching this would you let it be a place of repentance right there first we're going to individually repent repent And then we're going to lead together in a corporate repentance service for us and for our nation. Would you join with me right now? Lord Jesus, I repent of every transgression that's in my heart. Some transgressions I have acted out, Lord. I am a sinner. Some transgressions I have the capacity in me but because I was raised by parents, good godly parents, I perhaps have not experienced the actual transgression. But to keep count of that is to miss the point, Lord. The point is, within me is every unclean thing. And if I am not washed in your blood and transformed by your spirit, there but by the grace of God go I I repent for my sinful nature I repent for my short temper I repent for my pride oh God I repent for my Let our hearts be broken, oh God. Let our hearts be broken, oh God. Revival starts with broken hearts. True spiritual passion and anointing starts with the humbling of ourselves. Let our hearts be broken, oh God. That we might be healed that we might be filled with your nature, your love. In Jesus' name. I'd like to lead us all in repentance for our... to represent us, to represent our church, to represent our city, to represent our world. I'd like us to repent. Your words will be different than mine. Please say them anyway. This cannot be something that I do for you. It needs to be the confession of your lips. Lord Jesus, as a people, we come into your presence and we ask for repentance for us as a church. And we call upon your name and we ask that you would heal your land. It's us, oh Lord, that needs divine transformation. It's us, oh Lord, that need spiritual reconciliation Lord we repent as representatives of our city as representatives of the broken politics of our age as representatives of the imperfect justice of our system as representative of the transgressions of tribalism racism people against people and nation against nation we repent And we humble ourselves, and we ask you to impart to us a heavenly justice, not a justice that we've figured out. That will take time, and and, 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 and kind-hearted people of good faith will work through that in the appropriate political and legal and civil arenas. But as a spiritual organization, as a spiritual people, we repent, oh God, for our country. We repent for this sinful world. We repent for every murderer. We we repent for every liar. We repent for every religious hypocrite. We repent for every Pharisee and every murderer. We repent, Lord Jesus, for every crooked politician and every cruel policeman. We repent for every corrupt judge and every opportunistic politician. We repent, we repent, we repent. There is no good thing in us. We must be washed by your blood. We must be sanctified by your spirit. We must be cleansed by your unction. We must stand in a holy place where we are filled and flooded with your holiness. Not our calculus of humanity and morality. We must surrender our throne and our crown and our judgment to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them.